Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwave style at 48752. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, who do not believe that San Francisco is a part of the Middle West. Welcome back to our Great Gatsby. Love this fucking book, Great Gatsby. <laughs> oh my god, can you like cut that out and play it before each podcast instead of do 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 um, do do? <laughs> I'll cut it out for sure. I don't know what I'll do, but we'll do something with it. Uh, so welcome back to chapter four of The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Um, are we yeah. starting with our discussion question? We are going to start with our discussion question. Okay. Chapter four discussion question is, describe a perfect day. Oh my god. Please not going to lie. Yes, do please. not do the miscongeniality joke. Because <laughs> I was... I really... Oh man. No, I did not want it to happen. April 25th? No. Um, is that... That's what she says, right? Yeah. April 25th? Oh, uh, that's so funny. Um, yesterday was a pretty good day. But ba- we have this question every year um, at school when we fill out those little like information things. We and- don't do that, so I don't know. Oh, we have, well, you know, you like, your information, like, your address, they want all that, but then they always also want to, like, know a little bit about you, so mm-hmm. they want, and so, like, one of them was, like, a bumper sticker, you know, what's your bumper sticker, <laughs> and so mine, like, last year, was like, I'm sorry, did someone say Taylor Hall? Um, what if it said, like, fuck bitches, get money? <laughs> <laughs> that um, would be, that would be Tom Buchanan. That would be Tom Buchanan. I think, I think mine for next year is gonna be, um... Sometimes I think people are jealous of how awesome I am. <laughs> Just leave it there. Um, but one, that's one of our questions is about a perfect day. And it all, like, for me, it revolves around the idea of, like, there's got to be some sports involved. Like, mm-hmm. a team that I love, whether it's football or baseball, it doesn't matter, but a team that I love and um, a good meal mm-hmm. and time with people that I care about. I don't really have... Like particulars involved in that, that, but I also need some like alone time in that. Whether it's yeah. reading or writing or whatever it is I'm doing, but I just like wake up without an alarm, a good cup of coffee, afternoon baseball game, yeah, dinner, late lunch, whatever, some kind of like that. Sometimes like sit out in the sun and do some reading, and then like you know time with my folks or whatever, and just kind of and just go to bed satisfied. Yeah, that would be a perfect day. That is a lovely day. I think mine would be probably the momentous occasion of running over David Staples with a car. <laughs> okay, Daisy. Um. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um. <laughs> Spoilers? Question mark? <laughs> like for David Staples. No. <laughs> well, foreshadowing. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I've ruined it now. You haven't. No, it's great. Um, probably. Will the car be yellow? That's what I want to know. Trying, my brain's whirring to come up with a joke. Okay. It's not working. Okay. There's something about carrying water. <laughs> okay. Piss-colored water. Keep going. Something, keep going. Something's keep going. Something's happening in there. Okay. Um, last year in, like, August, I had, like, a wonderful, perfect day where my sister was up with my nieces, and we were at my dad's house, and he lives in Sherwood Park. His house backs onto the golf course, and we were all just, like, playing games in the backyard 
having a few cocktails. It was a gorgeous day. We had a barbecue. It was just, it was just wonderful. Nice. Love to do that again. I like days like that. Mm-hmm. So the, the vehicle I'm thinking of, it's a food truck. <laughs> it's a food truck in here, and it, but it's advertised as a food truck with a bathroom because there's a sink in it. Done. God. There we go. This is what I've done to us. <laughs> that was so good, though. Oh, thanks. Um. Okay. So I don't do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, mm. chapter four. Yes. It's an interesting day in this, like, an interesting sequence of events in this book because it takes us sort of out of that world of of Nick of Nick and yeah. into Gatsby's world because mm-hmm. we finally finally in chapter 3 have met Gatsby mm-hmm. and then in chapter 4 we learn about him yeah my first question for us to get started here is my students often ask what's the point of Nick name dropping all of the people who he sees coming to and from Gatsby's house and my my assumption is, is based off of this long line here, right at the start of the chapter. Yep. Um, he says, but I can still read the gray names and they will, and they will give you a better impression than my generalities of those who accepted Gatsby's hospitality and paid him the subtle tribute of knowing nothing whatever about him. So is this continuing his disgust for everyone that took advantage of Gatsby? I think maybe a little bit. I think the other thing too, the, the name dropping thing, because if you think about like when this is, this is set, like 1922? Right? I think it's four. Um, oh yeah, and it, yeah, okay. Um, it says here, no, once I wrote down, well on mine it says, once I wrote down the empty spaces of a timetable, the names, um, it's in, so it was at least 1922. Oh yeah, maybe. schedule and effect July 5th, 1922. Yeah, so it's in that and I think you have to think, too, like, the names are whatever, whoever they are. Um, but I think if you consider, like, when you think about, say, the Titanic, for example, and they talk about the people who were on that ship, mm-hmm. and, like, the families, those, like, wealthy families, these names maybe mean nothing to us, mm-hmm. and maybe they're just fictional names, I don't know. But I think it it's given that, I think it gives that, at least that illusion of the importance of these people right. and the fact that all of these people gathered together in one spot mm-hmm. i think that's why the name dropped just be like this is this is the scale by which we can measure gatsby's life right is the people that he associated with who didn't associate with him because mm-hmm. they didn't really they were just sort of there no not yeah not really And I find it super interesting how Nick himself continues to feel that separation Mm -hmm. between himself, between Daisy and Tom, between Jordan, and also now between Gatsby. Because he's also telling you, I think, these people to show you how Nick is not a part of this group. Mm -hmm. He notices. He's continuing his observer mentality. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't say these are the people who I you know gallivanted with and and had the summer to rub elbows with it all. Nick is not a social climber. Not at all. No. Um, I think he initially sort of fancied himself to be one but I think once he realized what that entailed he's kind of stepping away from that as much as possible and I think I really do believe and I kind of have 
all along, like since the first time I read this, that he genuinely wanted to be Gatsby's friend and that he wanted Gatsby to be his friend. Mm -hmm. And was he in love with him a little bit? Maybe. Who knows? But there was a, a genuine affinity and affection for Gatsby on Nick's behalf. And I think there was a reciprocation of that yeah, for Gatsby. Yeah, I think so too. Much more so than you see with Gatsby and any other person. Yes, I, I can't argue that Gatsby is lonely. Oh, very. very and at the end so. of this chapter too, I believe it's the end of this chapter, we get a lengthy discussion of how lonely Nick is. Mm-hmm. Or is maybe that chapter 5? Maybe it's chapter 5. Maybe it's chapter 5. I'm not quite sure. Um, but that is coming. And it is a bummer. It always kind of makes me feel sad for Nick when he has that lengthy discussion of um, kind of... Mm-hmm. Well, because the end of this chapter isn't it where he and Jordan right? Together. So maybe it's so chapter, it's chapter five. five maybe it's where chapter he leaves, five. where he leaves them and is very sort of like yes, not morose about it, but forlorn. Yes. 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 Um, so let's talk about Gatsby's history here, because we this is the beginning of. The many different narratives of Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a strange chapter because there's a lot of different competing narratives. Yes. There's Gatsby trying to tell Nick a whole bunch of unbelievable facts. There's Wolfsheim trying to reinforce those unbelievable facts. And then there's Jordan retelling a narrative yes. from Gatsby. So he start, Gatsby starts off. This is what he tells Nick. He says, um, I am the son of some wealthy people in the Middle West. All dead now. I was brought up in America but educated at Oxford because all my ancestors have been educated there for many years. It is a family tradition. Um, and then Nick does ask him what part of the Middle West. And he's like, San Francisco. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not the Midwest. <laughs> but then he goes on and he says... After that, I lived like a young Raja in all the capitals of Europe, Paris, Venice, Rome, collecting jewels, chiefly rubies, hunting big game, painting a little things for myself only, and trying to forget something very sad that had happened to me long ago. Then came the war. It was a great relief, and I tried very hard to die, but I seemed to bear an enchanted life. Um, so he, you know, he sort of fell into all of these things. It's sort of the, mm-hmm. the underlying story here. But as you, as you go... It becomes, to me, it becomes more and more unbelievable. Yeah. But he's a good storyteller, and Nick is is kind of buying it a little bit. A little bit. He goes through these transitions of, like, as he says, incredulous laughter. Mm -hmm. Just like, it seems so ridiculous. How could it be true? And then at the end of the story, he says, essentially, like, if New York could be true, well, of course, Gatsby can be true, too. Mm -hmm. But I love how um, Gatsby talks about this because it seems like a lie because the one mistake you can make with a lie is being too specific. Mm -hmm. And he is way too fucking specific. Like Mm -hmm. Paris, Venice, Rome, collecting jewels, chiefly rubies. Yeah. What does it matter if it's chiefly rubies? But then he talks about his military service. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like if someone really wanted to you could check. But Nick, I think, doesn't feel like he has to do no. that. Because Nick's fought to what he says makes sense to No, Nick, but I'm just saying Gatsby in general, right? Like, that's yes, something that could that be could quite be found easily out. checked. Yes. And so I don't know that the other stuff is true, mm-hmm. but I think the military stuff... Um, yeah. ...is mostly true. 
I agree. But I don't know if it's all true. No. I think that's an important thing to I remember. think it's possible that he did get a medal from Montenegro. Yeah. I think he probably wasn't a major. No. But I'm sure he served dutifully because as we know he's someone who takes advantage of opportunities absolutely and doesn't usually fail in them mm-hmm. so i i don't believe that he was like you know discharged dishonorably mm-hmm. or whatever i think it's probably legit and i think there's a there's almost like a so i work with me on this one sure there's in this chapter it's a very like dorian gray-esque notion of gatsby because later, just after he showed uh, Gatsby shows Nick his medal, uh-huh. which is an odd thing to carry, and he's not... so desperate. Yeah, he's, he's so insecure and desperate. Yeah, he needs approval from Nick so badly. Well, just all the time yes. from everybody all yes, the time. Yes, yes. Um, and I think he realizes that Nick can grant him that approval, uh-huh. and that's part of one of one of the reasons why he does this stuff. But he says here, or Nick in Nick's narration, he says. Um, it was a photograph of a half dozen young men in blazers loafing in an archway through which were visible a host of spires. There was Gatsby looking a little, not much, younger with a cricket bat in his hand. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea that this photograph, and I mean, of course, remembering that this photograph is real more mm-hmm. than likely more than, than not. At that time. Um, whereas if this is written now, okay, maybe not. Um, but the fact that like he sees this photograph and sees this evidence that yes, here's these people and whatever, mm-hmm. and Gatsby tells him that the man standing to his left is now the Earl of Doncaster. Well, you could probably check that out too. So there are things that he's telling him that are very true, mm-hmm. and I think are very and can be verified. Um, and, but there, that notion of like, you know, here's Gatsby looking a little but not much younger. Mm-hmm. Because it hasn't been that long. If it's only 1922, the war ended in 1918. Yeah. Um, and maybe that was in 1919 that that photo was taken. Yeah. Because he was stuck in Oxford for a while, as we know later. Yeah. So maybe three years? Yeah. Question mark? Question mark. Um, which is a really fascinating because I, I've often thought that everything that happens to these people, that they're just so much older. I know. That, and like, I mean, I know Tom Buchanan's a little bit older, right? Yeah. He's 30 or whatever he is. But and, and I don't know how old Daisy is. Um, but I'm assuming she's kind of around Gatsby's age. And Gatsby's not Tom's age. He can't be. It doesn't make sense. Like, the, I thought Nick said he looked as though he was in his middle 30s. But I don't think he is. No. I don't think he can be. Because why is he stuck in Oxford? You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's right. some weird timeline things that don't add up. Yeah. Um, but and I've, Fitzgerald doesn't attempt to answer those for you. No, and I, I, and that's why I don't think it matters. But it's uh-huh. just, I always find this little bit here, like, it is kind of like Dorian Gray-esque. Like, he's almost this, there's this photo of him that should age him uh-huh. and date him to a particular time. But doesn't. But doesn't. Uh-huh. And so you have no idea what that's. What's true and what's not yeah. true. Yeah. I like the pa- uh, passage after that. It says, then it was all true. I saw the skins of tigers flaming in his palace on the Grand Canal. I saw him opening a chest of rubies to ease with their crimson-lighted depths the gnawings of his broken heart. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's that past tense. And we still don't know. We we still don't know what that is yet. No. And that's the timeline thing that's interesting because that's why he's older, I think, than he maybe seems, but I don't think he's like in his Mm mid-30s. I don't get that feel. Of it. I get the feel that Daisy's like 23. Yeah, 23, 25, like kind of Max, and maybe Gatsby's like 27, 28. Yes. Because there are certain aspects in here where I'm just like, yeah, this is incredibly irresponsible and immature. Yes. And crazy. Yes, and if she's 23, that would make a lot of sense. Yes. Um, 
So they go to meet with some of the Gatsby notes, mm-hmm. which is like a very interesting thing because he doesn't seem to know any people. No. He knows Jordan Baker mm-hmm. as he sort of talks about her. and Via acquaintance. Only. Yes. And, and, you know, she talks about it at that last party where she actually got to speak with him and whatever, whatever. But he doesn't really know people. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he's like letting Nick into his own world is a fairly significant step. Yeah, absolutely. To allow Nick to like, you know, meet someone that he knows outside of that context of East Egg yes. and West Egg. But what's interesting about that and about Gatsby himself is he's not doing this out of the, you know, good-hearted generosity that he tends to show, you know, random people. No. It's because he needs a favor. Yes. And so I am always curious about why Nick isn't offended by that. Because he's being used. Yeah. I wonder if Nick's sort of as desperate as Gatsby for approval mm. in in certain respects. Could be. Um, and he's so also very lonely. He is. And so, you know, that's kind of like the like Lonely Hearts Club, right? And the two of them have that in common. And so he's willing to sort of do th- Or maybe by this time or getting close to this time, he's considering Gatsby mostly a friend. Mm-hmm. And there's that reciprocal nature of whatever, and maybe that's part of it too, that he he feels that, you know, if he does his favor for Gatsby, Gatsby can help him out. Yeah, with... Something. Question mark. But, you know, if if ever it's needed. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think, and I mean, obviously if you haven't, like, read the whole book, spoilery, I guess, but I don't think anyone predicted what was going to happen at the end. No. And so Nick probably in this moment assumes that this friendship with Gatsby is going to carry on. Yes. Until... And Nick always assumes the good in people, too. He does. And he's willing to ignore the bad if there is a teensy bit of good. Which is admirable. Sure. Foolhardy. To, to a, yes. a point. Yes. And then it becomes ridiculous. Because he's willing to overlook some pretty shady shit. He is. Uh, in order to be like, no, no, good, good person. He's a good person. Yeah. Um, which is always interesting to me that he looks at Tom Buchanan and, like, cannot see it. Like, he, there's not a shred of good in Tom Buchanan. Yeah, so, like, where's the line? Yeah. <laughs> Tom Buchanan, apparently, is the line. Apparently. Um. But we meet this dude, Meyer Wolfsheim. And he's a very interesting character. Because Nick's getting a little bit frustrated mm-hmm. in the restaurant. Um... Because Gatsby says, look here, old sport, I'm afraid I made you a little angry this morning in the car. He says, there was a smile again, but this time I held out against it. I don't like mysteries, I answered. And I don't understand why you won't come out frankly and tell me what you want. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm just like, yeah, Nick, show some Stand goddamn, up for yourself. <laughs> some goddamn chutzpah here. Um, but that's he doesn't show much. No. And that's problematic because yes. we only see Nick through, like, the narration that he gives us of his past. And it's still not very positive. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't have a very high opinion of himself at no. all. Um, and so part of me often wonders, like, if his... Um, if his low opinion of himself colors his opinion of Gatsby as well. That, like, there's this sort of aspirational quality to... Yes, like it's incredibly self-deprecating next to 
this greatness. This greatness, this shining star of yes. hope and devotion, yada, 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 yada. Interesting. Hmm. I find it interesting. Let's talk about the teeth. Okay. Because Meyer Wolfsheim has these two teeth that are cufflinks. Mm-hmm. And he says they're finest specimens of human molars. Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh... Yeah. It's a heck of a thing. That's a weird thing to have. It's and a weird it... thing to have. It's a weird thing to notice. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird thing to write of your fictional character. Obviously, to serve a purpose. Yes. So, so what's your take on that purpose? Um... I think Wolfsheim's name plays into that a little bit. I think there's that, like, the notion that he is a wolf, that he's, like, a carnivore of sorts. Mm. And he is, right, in so, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I think that that's... Um, I think that that's something that, that is significant. I also think that there's... Um, Anti-Semitism? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. And, I mean, like... That's the thing when you contextualize, right? When you think of this book being written in 1925, 1924, 25, and, mm-hmm. and published in 1926, like, that was a very common thing. And the description of him isn't very flattering. No. He says, a small, flat-nosed Jew raised his large head and regarded me with two fine growths of hair, which luxur- luxuriated in either nostril. Mm-hmm. After a moment, I discovered his tiny eyes in the half-darkness. Mm-hmm. Not great. And he's not really a great dude to talk to. Well, so I'm, no, he no. certainly is not. He's demanding, he's brusque, he's, like, not subversive. What he has I? an answer for everything, too. Yes. Like, in that in that way that, that sort of, like, mediocre white man way, that he just has an answer. Whether it's right mm-hmm. or wrong, it doesn't matter. But he, he has to, like, sort of prove his... Not prove, that's the wrong word. Display mm-hmm. what he knows. Yes. And in that's case cool. there's any question. Yeah. And it, Nick isn't asking any questions. None. All of these answers are really just being spouted at him. Yes. And he's just attempting to absorb it. And I do think it's hilarious, Nick's assumptions of who Meyer is. Yeah. So when Meyer leaves, he, he says, who is he, an actor? No. A dentist? No. <laughs> Like, yeah, it, and those two things are very... I mean, the dentist makes sense, obviously, with the teeth. But it's a, but also, would you want your dentist no. to have teeth cufflinks? But who has teeth cufflinks? Like, that's a that's a very in- interesting question in and of itself. 100% a fetish thing. Yeah, probably. Um, and, yeah, I, like, I'm, I'm not sure what to... So the information, I guess, that, that he... That he finds out about Gatsby. He says here, there's the kind of man you'd like to take home and introduce to your mother and sister. Mm-hmm. Which, from what we know about Gatsby, is not untrue. No, he's nice, he's charismatic, he's yeah. generous. Yeah. He's got this energy that when you look at him, he seems connected yeah, to Yeah, he you draws you in. In the best of ways. Um, makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. Which, mm-hmm. like, I, we've talked about this before. That is an incredible feeling. It is. When you can talk to a person and they make you feel like what you're saying 
is the most important thing they've heard all day. Mm-hmm. Even if it's absolutely not. Yeah. And that is a quality that I do not possess. No. Um, and so people who do, I'm kind of in awe of that. It's very hard yes. to do that. Because sometimes I just don't care. No, I don't either. And I think Gatsby probably doesn't care in a lot of ways. But I think he understands the sort of social niceties of projecting that. Yes. And so he is the kind of person that you would want your mother and your sister to meet. And that he is the kind of person you would want your sister to end up with. Mm-hmm. Because more than anyone else who is in this class, he's trying to fulfill the epitome of what he thinks the most positive representation of the upper class is. Absolutely. And he's the one doing it well. Well, maybe not so well, because everybody's spreading rumors about who he actually is. Yes. And, and taking advantage of him. Taking advantage of him. And but when, when we find out at the end of this chapter what his singular purpose is, yes. then it's maybe not so unclear. Correct. As to what he's doing. Yeah. Because um, he does, and we don't know this until the end of chapter four. He has a purpose for mm-hmm. everything that he has done up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a, a significant, a fairly significant thing. So for this transition from the dinner with, or lunch with Wolsheim and Gatsby in the city to Jordan's narration. Mm-hmm. Tom Buchanan shows Tom up. Tom Buchanan fucking shows up. Of course he does. Which is important because um, Tom Buchanan knows Gatsby-ish. Ofs. Knows of. Knows of. Yes. He's like kind of recognizes and And Nick, Nick face. is kind of dumb and doesn't know what's happening just yet. He learns, but he doesn't know for sure. Like... And so he introduces Tom to Gatsby, and it's just, I can't, I, I like, that handshake must just be, um, just fraught with tension. Yeah. On Gatsby's side. On Gatsby's side. And, and Tom's as well, I think, a little bit. I like how in the film, though, they have Tom shake hands with Gatsby, and it's, Tom could not fucking care less. Yes. He could be shaking hands with fucking anybody. He's just like gets it over with. Yeah. Keeps talking to Nick. Like where's Gat- and where's Gatsby got this like internal turmoil? Yeah. About it. Um, and I love how Gatsby straight up ghosts. Yeah. He shakes hands, <laughs> and then Tom's like, "How you been?" And Nick's like, "I've been having lunch with Mister Gatsby," and then Gatsby is gone. Yeah. In that little short exchange, because he just can't bear to be around Tom Buchanan, which like is probably a reaction everyone should have around Tom Buchanan if we're being true. Honest. Um, so maybe Gatsby's just acting out for the rest of us. Or maybe the lunch just really hit his bowels quick. It, maybe. It's possible. Um, so then we get into Jordan Baker's narration. We get a little bit of, of stuff here. So Daisy, in 1917, was 18 years old. Uh-huh. So now we know how old she is. Oh, is that what it says? Yeah. Rare. The largest of the banners and the largest of the lawns belonged to Daisy Faye's house. She was just 18, two years older than me. So Jordan Baker's a couple oh, years younger yeah. than... Um, I'm curious what you think about this um, use of... Is this enjambment here? What's enjambment? Yeah, I think With so. the hyphens? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, we've talked about the narrative structure of this. We've got sort of present Nick and then past... Um, or future Nick with his past tense narrative and his maturity. And then you've got this third narrative style, which is him retelling Jordan's version yes. of a retelling of Gatsby's version. Yes. And he uses these hyphens, I think, pretty wonderfully to transition you into that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do you find that it's difficult for people to understand that transition? I think a little bit, because you have to remember, of course, that Jordan Baker... Is the I. Is the I in this case. Yeah. And she's very, she's very much like Nick. Yes. In that she sees a lot, and she observes a lot, and she knows kind of what's happening, and she has reasons to know more maybe than Nick does, because she's been around. Um, but it's a different lens mm-hmm. through which we see this. And in, in some ways, she's kind of like, in this scene anyway, or in this chapter, she's a little bit like the eyes of um, Dr. T.J. Eckelberg that sort of look on this scene and has all of the background information. Yeah. Which is a really fascinating thing. Absolutely. She's not the narrator. No. And it's interesting, too, to, you're right, see these connections to Nick. Because she says, when talking about Daisy, she says, I was flattered she wanted to speak to me because of all the older girls I admired her most. Yes. And I think that's something that is a connection from Nick to Gatsby too. Mm-hmm. He seems flattered each time Gatsby even wants to spend time with him. Mm-hmm. Um So this and so this is where we find out how how, how all these people are connected mm-hmm. is in this chapter. Um yes, yeah, so she wanted to she was flattered that Daisy wanted to speak to her because of all the older girls she admired her most. Um, she asked if Jordan was going to the Red Cross to make bandages, and she was. And, well, would, would she tell them that she couldn't come in that day, right? Could she say, well, I can't. And then the officer looked at Daisy while she was speaking in a way that every young girl wants to be looked at sometime. And because it seemed romantic to me, I have remembered the incident ever since. His name was Jay Gatsby, and I didn't lay eyes on him again for over four years. Even after I'd met him on Long Island, I didn't realize it was the same man. I find it interesting that she uses the word incident. Yeah, instead of... Because it is an incident. Yeah. Like, incident is quite a powerful, connotative... It's very clinical. Very clinical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she is describing an incident. Uh, You know, so what I guess what what we get from Jordan's little narration here is that Jay Gatsby in 1917... um, was had feelings for Daisy, mm-hmm. who was 18 years old at the time. And he mm-hmm. was a young officer. And, of course, it's 1917, because the U.S. didn't get involved in the war until 1917. So, of course, that's why mm-hmm. it's then. And so now we have sort of a timeline for all of this. And we've got this gap of five years. Yes. Right? And so this is kind of when, especially when I teach this novel, my students start to, you're right, get a handle of the chronology of this. Mm -hmm. And especially for how this kind of chapter ends, they start to get very frustrated. Because we find out, of course, that like Jay and Daisy have known each other for this time. They kind of dated Mm -hmm. in Daisy's mind, courted um, before he went off to war. And... Daisy married someone else in the interim, of course. She married Tom. Mm-hmm. Who gave her a string of pearls valued at $350,000. In 1922. So that idea, there, and it comes across later in, I think it's chapter 8, where they talk about it, about Tom and Daisy being careless people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first time you see that. Because mm-hmm. that kind of money, just like literally throwing it away on a string of pearls. It's absurd. 
It is. Mm -hmm. But it also sort of speaks to the position that Tom believes he holds in the society. So they get married. They have their baby. They go to France. They come back. They come back. And it seems like their marriage is okay. Um, Jordan says, um, I saw them in Santa Barbara when they came back, and I thought I'd never seen a girl so mad about her husband. If he left the room for a minute, she'd look around and say, where's Tom gone? Until she saw him coming in the door. And it seemed like they had a good relationship at the start. Mm-hmm. But it didn't last very long. No, because a week after Jordan left Santa Barbara, Tom ran into a wagon on the Ventura Road one night and ripped a front wheel off his car. What a great little Incident. nugget. <laughs> Incident. <laughs> Absolutely. The girl who was with him got into the papers too because her arm was broken. She was one of the chambermaids in the Santa Barbara Hotel. Which tells us that he's cheating on Daisy at minimum mm-hmm. a month bef- after, or a few months after they've been married. Yes. Which is, yeah, anyway. Um, and then they had their baby, and then they went to France. Mm-hmm. And then they they spent their year, and then they came back um, to settle down in Chicago, which is where Tom is from. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't drink, and that's an important thing, mm-hmm. because neither does Gatsby. Yeah. But Tom sure does. He sure does. And that's maybe her way of coping with that, is that she's not partaking in. Yeah, and I think she, I can't remember if it's in this chapter or, or a different chapter, but there's something said about how she doesn't like to, um, oh yeah, it's a great advantage not to drink among hard-drinking people. You can hold your tongue and moreover, you can time any little irregularity of your own so that everyone else is so blind they don't see or care. Mm-hmm. There's something about Daisy that I don't think the first few chapters explore, which is how incredibly controlled she is. Yes. And I think that's an interesting kind of defense mechanism because I bet what she feels all the time is absolutely out of control. Which is why they have to move around. Yes. So often. Well, and they have to move around so much because Tom's an asshat. Mostly. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the reason that they can't stay. He plows through every goddamn city. Yeah. God, imagine how many venereal diseases he has. Oh, so gross. And so when Daisy wishes for her daughter to grow up a beautiful fool, mm-hmm. going back to that question that Tasha asked for the first chapter, like, is that an intellectual response. Yeah. I think it is. I think it is now. I think it has yeah. to be. Because she that's her only way to be in control of anything in that in that life that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so Jordan's telling Nick all this, and then about six weeks ago she heard the name Gatsby for the first time in years. Um, it was when I asked you, do you remember if you knew Gatsby in West Egg? And then... Daisy realizes that it's that officer and they kind of they piece it together and Jordan knows that Daisy had feelings for him and he had feelings for her and there was this mm-hmm. like and then because she was there yeah um and so Jordan finishes telling Nick this story and um Jordan then tells Nick this information that he's like too dumb to figure out because he's dumb that Gatsby bought the house. He's not renting it. He purchased that house mm-hmm. so that he could be across the bay. Nick is just so dumb sometimes. But what 
I think he's not dumb about is the request. Because Jordan says he wants to know if you'll invite Daisy to your house some afternoon and let him come over. Mm-hmm. Which is, the vocabulary, let him, mm-hmm. is such an interesting choice there. But what Nick says is the modesty, modesty of the demand shook me. He had waited five years and bought a mansion where he dispensed starlight to casual moths. What a great image. So that he could come over some afternoon to a stranger's garden. So. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Because what if the stranger doesn't know Daisy? Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many things there's about so this. There's so many things. That could have backfired. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. I find it fascinating. It is. It is. This lofty dream of his. Hinges on. So many coincidences. And they all worked out. Yeah. Which is great. Um, but, and Nick, I think, is, like, definitely um, more than willing to do it. Mm-hmm. He says, um, uh, Daisy ought to have something in her life. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, Jordan says that. But Nick agrees. What I find really interesting about sort of the near end of this chapter is his reflection on Jordan. He says, it was dark now, and as we dipped under a little bridge, I put my arm around Jordan's golden shoulder and drew her to me and asked her to dinner. Suddenly, I wasn't thinking of Daisy and Gatsby anymore, but of this clean, hard, limited person who dealt in universal skepticism and who leaned back jauntily just within the circle of my arm. What fucking image that is. I know. A phrase began to beat in my ears with a sort of heady excitement. There are only the pursued, the pursuing, the busy... And the tired. Mm-hmm. And that line seems so disconnected from the paragraph above it. Yes. But I wonder if that's Nick making his shift. Yes, I think so. To being the pursuing mm-hmm. instead of the busy or the tired. Mostly the tired, I think. Most. Is. Eh. I don't think tired in the way that we talk about being tired, but I think the sort of, like, done with it all kind of, like... Yes. Existentially tired. Agreed. Um, where he's now got a, a thing to pursue. hmm Yes, a thing. Because a thing. he treats her that way in many respects. Oh, for sure. But that image of her leaning back jauntily just within the circle of... Oh, there's something so, like, standoffish about that. Yeah. Because she's not quite willing... To be sort of like brought into that circle. No. But she recognizes, I think, the importance of the appearance of it. Yes. And there's something so interesting about the kind of balancing positive and negative images of that. Like, leaning back, yes, but jauntily is a bizarre way to describe leaning Mm -hmm. back. That Mm -hmm. doesn't seem, you know... Um, connected in an emotional way and then at the end the very last lines of the chapter he says uh, unlike Gatsby and Tom Buchanan I had no girl whose disembodied face floated along the dark cornices and blinding signs so I drew up the girl beside me tightening my arms her wan scornful, scornful mouth smiled and so I drew her up again closer this time to my face mm-hmm Yikes. So she is not, I mean... He, That's like a woman of convenience, yes. essentially. In, in many ways. Well, isn't she, though? 
they've been brought together by a circumstance. Yes. And she can't have what she wants. Which is? I think in certain respects, I think she wants Gatsby. Because the way she comes out of that, like, interaction with him at his party, like, mm. she's fucking flying. And so I think that Well, they're... she loves secrets. She loves the power of secrets. Um, but I think Nick gives her some of that and that power of secrets. Um, because true. now the two of them have a secret. Yeah. That's That true. they can keep from Tom. And they're unified in that And they're way. unified in that way. And so I think that she's using him just as much as he's using her. But mm-hmm. I don't think he recognizes that. No. But he also, in her, his description of her, he doesn't describe her as a sort of, like, ephemeral beauty. Like... No. Like, Gatsby would describe Daisy, for example. Yeah. And so for her, for him to say, like, the disembodied face floating along... No, she's not that person. Mm-mm. She's, she's angular and she's leggy and she's... Scornful. Scornful and she's harsh. Mm-hmm. And he's okay with that because she's paying attention to him. Correct. Because he has something that she needs or mm-hmm. wants. And when she, he is no longer useful to her, she will throw Abandon him away. Him, yeah. And I th- and I think at this point, I think he's okay with this, because he's starting to realize that that's what it takes to fit into... This bubble. This bubble. Yeah. Which is what, I, what why I think he realizes later on that he doesn't really want to fit into that the bubble. Because it's so emotionless. Yes. Really. Like, all of this is, is superficial and meaningless, is, I think, what he's getting from those interactions. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think about how Gatsby doesn't want Daisy to know that Gatsby is going to meet her for this tea. He wants this like subterfuge of Nick and Daisy having a nice cousin cousin tea together. Yeah. And Gatsby's just gonna show up. I think he's afraid. More oh, than he's absolutely afraid. I think he's afraid of rejection. Mm-hmm. I think he's afraid that if it's just the two of them she won't come mm-hmm. because she's married. There's a child, you know, all of those kind of things. I, I think that he's very much trying to like reestablish what they once had, mm-hmm. and having Nick as a buffer helps with that. helps with that because it provides him an excuse. Mm-hmm. And then if things go sour, it's not at his own house; it's at Nick's place. Else. And so there's, there, I think there's just a whole bunch of. Of mechanisms that he's employing to distance himself from right the, the potential fallout of, but also meaningful because that's what he does in his whole life. Yes, there's all distance from everything. Yes. Maybe perhaps the last question here: Do you believe Gatsby to the, be the original incel? No. <laughs> I do not. Damn it. I was hoping that would get a bigger reaction. No, I, no, I think, <laughs> no, he did, I don't, to be perfectly honest, it's a good question, but to be perfectly honest, I don't think Gatsby feels that all women owe him anything. He's not that person. That's true. That's true. He, he doesn't, he, and like you said, he believes inherently in the good mm-hmm. in everyone, and if this meetup with Daisy doesn't go the way that he's planned it, he's not going to, like, stop trying. But that's fucked up. It is fucked up. But he wants to repeat the past, and I fucking love that line, and we'll get to that whenever we get to that. Um, but he he wants to sort of relive this, mm-hmm. this time in his life that was just so wonderful. Mm-hmm. But at the very least... 
the time in his life that he wants to relive was a time in which the woman reciprocated his feelings. Yes. And that's why I think the answer to your question is no. Mm -hmm. Because at some point in time, she felt the same for him. Right. And that... So he's still pining, and it's weird, and and it's, like, Non-consensual, and... But there was a time, and he just wants to go back to that. Right. And recreate all of the circumstances that kind of led to that. Uh It's not, like, these dudes who are like, oh, the girl who works at the coffee shop smiled at me. I must have her. Right? It's not that. And I think that's the difference. And he's also, like, when we get into chapter five, like, he's kind of cute about it. Like how he, he's nervous an he absolute is. disaster. Yes. Oh, and it's adorable. Yeah, because it is. he's so nervous about about seeing her, seeing her yeah. without you know all of the trappings of society around them, mm-hmm. and having this like close, intimate interaction with her, and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's all wonderful, and it one of and then when we get like into the movie, it's wonderful when they do the film kills this part for it's sure. It's great. Yeah. But, and that's why I think that, like, it's not the same because he just, he just wants to go back yeah. five years to when Daisy loved him. Hmm. Do you think Gatsby has been essentially, like, celibate? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think, I quite firmly believe that he was waiting for her and he went off to war and did the thing. Yeah. And then got word that she was married. And so he stayed... Stayed away. Stayed as away. As long as he could. From women and yes. everything. Yeah. Until he was worthy of her. Yes. Which, he's looking at Tom Buchanan and the $350,000 string of pearls and this big house and all of this kind of stuff. And having nothing and to having, And so he yeah. needs to get to the point where she'll, you know, see him again mm-hmm. and meet him again mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I fucked up. Yeah. I want you. Yeah. And he, I think, wants her to make the choice on her own, but can't let her do it. Like, do you know what I mean? He wants her to come to the decision, but I also think that, like, he's so impatient. Um, oh, he's absolutely impatient. And I get why, because oh, it's sure. been so long, and uh, it seems bizarre that he feels rushed. Yes. Yes. Because why? Yeah. There's no reason to be rushed. Well, and knowing what we know about Tom, like, it shouldn't be all that hard. No. Really and truly. To get her on your side. Yeah. yeah. Just, like, you know. Just be nice to her. Yeah, like, literally. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Talk about low expectations for men. Just, like, be nice and maybe <laughs> don't fuck other women. Yeah. Like, two things. That's all you gotta do. Unless it's, like, an open relationship, but then it's just about, you know, making an agreement. But, yeah, like, he, and and so, yeah, maybe that's why he's waited so long is because he finally has this, these trappings of wealth to display that he feels that she's interested in. And maybe she was interested in those things. Maybe it was her family was interested in those things. It doesn't really matter. But Mm -hmm. we do know that her family had way more money than he had. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Which is one of the reasons why when she tried to, like, leave to go see him off... She couldn't. Yes. They, like, literally held her back yes. from going. Um, and and it, and so I think now that he's got all this wealth to display, everything is as it should be, mm-hmm. except that Daisy is with Tom. Yes. And so the only thing standing in Gatsby's way from this, like, dream that he had... Is Tom now. Is Tom Buchanan. I feel like that explains a lot of Gatsby's inherent insecurity. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't think he believes that he can truly ever be enough 
For sure. No, I don't think he does either. But I think if he's successful in with if his plan works, mm-hmm. I think he's going to try. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because he can't not try. That's his whole thing is there's there's a challenge he's he's going to rise to it. He's going to do yeah. something. And then that's what he's always done. Yes. In every in every situation and mm-hmm. I think that like he and it's, it's really funny that we've spent all this time talking about him because he's, like, not in this chapter. No, not Very at much all. at all. But it's very, very revealing about him. Yes. And uh, we're, of course, speaking about events to come in a... Yes, in a very sort of roundabout, roundabout way. Kind of way. But, yeah, so it's... I think that... I think once we get into... Once we get into chapter five and we start to get into, like, the meat of the book. Mm-hmm. Because um, all of this up until now is mostly exposition, I would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is a lot of exposition. Because we don't have a conflict until right now. Yes. Like a true conflict. Yes. Yeah, like... We, Halfway through the book. <laughs> we have a little... There's a little conflict with, like, you know, Tom and Myrtle. Like, these little tiny the things The character that, interactions. But, but not something that Nick has to actively participate yes. in. Yes. Until and this Because moment. he's our narrator, that's, a, that's an important yes. thing. Um, so we have this conflict upcoming where I think Nick's sort of idealism... Maybe we'll leave it here. Sure. I think Nick, as much as he tries to sort of live this high society life, I think he very much, his Midwestern values, his true Midwestern values, not his San Francisco Midwestern values, um, but I think his true Midwestern values sort of allow him to believe in the beauty and power of love mm-hmm. as this like thing to aspire to. And in inviting Daisy to tea... Which, of course, because Nick is her cousin, Tom's going to be like, yeah, and not have an issue with it because she's going to have tea with her cousin mm-hmm. and there's nothing weird and suspect about it. Um, then he's sort of participating in what he hopes will be mm-hmm. a successful love story, which is, I think, really at the core what Tom, what Nick wants for himself as well. Yes. And he knows it's not going to be with Jordan Baker. Yeah. He's well aware of that. And, to and he's be, okay with that. Yes. But to be a part of someone's yes. love story. Is kind of magical. Yeah. Provides him with some sort of meaning and purpose and yeah. importance in this very lonely life he lives. Mm-hmm. And it puts him, like, instead of as a as a casual observer at as Gatsby's party, he's yeah. now a participant in Gatsby's life. Yeah. Which is kind of what he wants. Yeah. Um, so we're going to leave it there. Join us in a couple weeks. Yes. For this one. Because we're going to do a regular episode next week. And then we'll get back to chapters 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) it's going to be a wild ride. It is. Because all these parties. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. So on a scale of... 1 to 10. How much would you want to be at lunch with Nick and Gatsby and Meyer Wolfstein? God, that one, I'm actually going to say this time, negative (laughs) 69. I think it'd be kind of a little bit interesting, but I would like to just be there as, a, as an observer and not a person, like, so that they didn't know I was there. Mm-hmm. Like, fly on the wall, sit at another table, whatever. Because I would love to see Wolfsheim's facial expressions as he's telling Nick some of these things. And if he's robotic about it or if he actually believes it. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'd like to see. So, like, three out of ten? Maybe? Okay. Um, apparently my house is uh, falling down, so uh, we're gonna go. Um, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster question mark? Is that how we're ending this? I think so. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe. Sure. Bye-bye. <laughs>